Okay, Brooklyn, you're about to start. Take a deep breath. Wait, what is my opening line? I think I left my curling iron on at the house. Okay, well, at least this outfit looks good. I think I can pull this off. You got this. You have to represent for all the ladies. I wonder if my mom's going to watch online. I wonder if anyone's going to show up. Did they hear I was speaking? People are probably hoping it's Andy or Reed. He is way funnier. I don't know if I have what it takes. Well, too late now. It's almost time. Look up. Deep breath. Smile. It's go time. Well, I realized that maybe felt a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> um, it was for me as well. But I wanted to bring you guys into the thoughts that are popping up in my mind on a Sunday before standing up here. And maybe recently you've had an experience where you could relate. You had a presentation at work, or you had a difficult conversation, or you had a test, and, and you had these thoughts kind of popping up in your mind. But the reality is for all of us in the room and all of us watching today, we have a lot of thoughts going on. As Reed said last week, there is a lot of stinking thinking going on in our lives. Uh, There's a lot of debate when it comes to how many thoughts we have on a given day, but according to the National Science Foundation, we have anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. And so there's all of these thoughts swarming throughout our minds. You have thoughts about all kinds of things and all kinds of people. You have thoughts about politicians and you have thoughts about your boss and you have thoughts about your mother-in-law. You have thoughts about strangers and people you've never even met when you're like driving and you're in a hurry and someone's going 10 miles under the speed limit. You have a thought. Or, or when you're checking out of the grocery store and it's 10 items or less, and you see the person in front of you with like 16, you have a thought. You have a thought when you're in that meeting and you're wondering, why are we meeting? This could have been an email, right? Or or you're thinking, I should be leading the meeting. And you you kind of chase down those thoughts thinking, had I not been overlooked, if I was in their shoes, this is what I would do. And so you have those thoughts. We have thoughts as it relates to our family. You have thoughts about your spouse. You think, if I was on Sports Center, then maybe, just maybe, I would get some attention. Or, or you think, why are they still talking? Why are they still talking? You have thoughts about your kids, and you wonder, like, is this going to be the chance where they, they get to play in the game? But then you think, probably not, because that coach is so... And you have a thought. You have thoughts about your high school student when they forget to turn in an assignment again, and you think to yourself, they are just like their father, who's just like his father, right? And you start chasing down those thoughts. We live in such a digital age now with due to social media, it triggers all kinds of thoughts in our lives. Maybe you were scrolling through Facebook and you see a picture of that family beach vacation they went on and and in the photos, they look like they like like each other. Like it looks like they're actually getting along and you think to yourself, if only, or, or if you're like me, you see the Pinterest perfect kitchen and these thoughts of comparison and jealousy kind of bubble up. You see someone closing on a house and meanwhile you're still renting and you think to yourself, how can they afford that? 
You see the mom who every single day is planning organized activities for her kids and meal prepping for them. And meanwhile, you are at Target with your hair in a messy bun and yoga pants, just praying your husband doesn't ask for your ETA. And these thoughts of mom guilt rise up. We have so many thoughts. We all have a thought when we look in the mirror. When you see your reflection, you think something. I look awful. Where where did those lines come from? Yesterday I looked in the mirror and I'm like, why do I have these bags under my eyes? You you think maybe I should get back to the gym, but I've done that before and what's the point? And so we have these thoughts. Maybe we have some deeper tapes that play in our minds. Every single one of us in the room have all of these thoughts popping up in our heads every day. And, And that's why we are in this series called Mind Shift. We are devoting several Sundays to talk about these thoughts, these thoughts that are popping up in our heads. And if you weren't here last Sunday, our pastor Reed did an incredible job through a really funny and engaging story, reminding us just how powerful our thoughts are. We we said that our thoughts determine our decisions and our decisions direct our lives. Our thoughts determine our decision. Those decisions direct our lives. And so the question we have to ask is, do we like where those decisions are taking us? Do we like the the destination that our thoughts are leading us and taking us? And if not, we need to have a mind shift. And so today we're gonna ask ourselves, what do we do with those thoughts that consistently pop up? And although it's debated on how many thoughts we have in a given day, what I found super interesting in in studying and preparing for today is that 80% of our thoughts are negative. 80% of our thoughts are negative. And so we're not even aware, but we're consistently having a thought that pops up and then we chase that down and it leads us in a destination that we typically don't desire. Maybe you were looking at your bank account and you think to yourself, I gotta cut back on Starbucks. I probably need to stop eating out at Chick-fil-A. But but then you take that step, you you chase that thought down a step further and you think, well, I wouldn't even be in this position. I wouldn't be in this place if it weren't for. And then you have a thought. If it weren't for that accident, if it wasn't for those medical bills, if it weren't for those loans and their irresponsibility, if it wasn't for the divorce. And, And it brings you to a destination of so much Stress, you have a thought when you're scrolling through social media and you see a picture of someone's baby announcement, another picture of a baby shower or gender reveal. And you think to yourself, will that ever be our story? Will that ever be my story? And then those thoughts take you to a destination of so much anxiety, it's crippling. You have a thought when you're at the office or the gym or the grocery store and and something catches your attention, someone catches your attention and your eyes start to wander and those take you down a path and now you have inappropriate thoughts and those thoughts are gonna take you to a destination that's destructive and you know that. Or you're sitting at the doctor's office and they tell you, hey, we're gonna need to do some additional lab work. We need to do, we need to run some tests. And so then you go home and you become Dr. Google, and you diagnose yourself with something that you can't pronounce from WebMD. Have we been guilty of this? Yes, I have. And the reality is though, is that the doctor told you it would be a week. You you would hear something in a week. And it's been over two weeks. 
And and so now you're living in the land of uncertainty and unknowns. And and those thoughts are taking you to a destination of so much fear and worry. Our thoughts play a really big deal in our lives. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is what do we do with all of these thoughts? What do we do with these thoughts that pop up and we start to chase them down a path that leads to pain instead of a destination that we desire? And to answer that question, we are gonna look at what the Apostle Paul has to say. Throughout this series, we're getting into the mindset of Paul. We, we looked at him last week, a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. And today we're gonna look at a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And just some background about Paul. Paul is someone who devoted his entire life, his entire ministry and career to teach, to expanding the, the teachings of Jesus the way of Jesus, to to help people understand what it looks like to live like Jesus. And as Paul would travel, he would write these letters. He would write these letters to new believers and to new churches. And he would write to encourage them. He he would write to kind of course correct them, to to, to give them some direction and the standard of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. And so we know that Paul had written several letters to the church in Corinth. And and he had actually written one and, and the feedback that he had gotten had made him decide to write another one. And then he had a personal visit there. And so he had a good relationship with the majority of the Corinthians, but there was this small group of people, this minority group of people who, who felt like there was a gap in the writings of Paul and their interactions with Paul. It's so interesting. Paul actually talks about this in the text. He says, like, I know that, that the word on the street is, is when you meet me, I'm unimpressive. But when you read my letters and writing, it's strong and it's intense. And they weren't questioning Paul's character as much as just saying that it feels like there's this contrast. And so I love that Paul includes that, like that, that, that's included in the Bible, that he would actually say, hey, I know that you find me unimpressive. Because I feel like that's such a beautiful reminder that God doesn't just call impressive people to be used in the kingdom of God. And so if you've ever had a moment, if you've ever had a day where you woke up and you didn't feel impressive, you are in good company because thousands of years later, we are still talking about the teachings of the apostle Paul. And so that's kind of the context of what's happening in this letter. And so he's, he's writing this letter to defend himself. He's writing this letter to say, hey, this is, this is how we need to operate as Jesus followers. And so we're gonna pick this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. So he begins and he says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And it's interesting that the, the, the passage we looked at last week, the letter in Rome, Paul also emphasized the world. He, he said, we, do, we don't conform to the patterns of the world, but we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so you see over and over and over, Paul is going to call Jesus followers to a different way, that, that we can't act like the world, we can't behave like the world, We can't live like the world. We can't think like the world. And so he continues and he says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And this word weapons that he's talking about is, hey, we have something that's our ammunition with these arguments and these people who are disagreeing with us. We need to keep focused on on the main thing of what Jesus has, has asked us to do, of what God has called us to do. And so what are those weapons that we have? 
Well, he calls them divine. It says that on the contrary, they, meaning the weapons, the the weapons that we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so Paul's telling us that, that the weapons that we have are divine, that they literally have God's power. And so what are those weapons? It's the word of God and the spirit of God. The weapons that we have, Paul says, is the word of God and the spirit of God. They have divine power. And then he says to demolish strongholds and he continues. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so in this collection of verses, you see that Paul is using very intense language. It's very strong language because again, he's trying to defend what he feels like God has called him to do. He's saying there's strongholds. We need to demolish. He's saying we need to take captive. He's saying there's a war going on. And I think in the same way he's being intense for for, for his audience, I think Paul would say, hey, there's a war going on in your minds. There's a battle going on in your minds with all of those thoughts popping up that are taking you to a destination. There's a battle going on. And so he has this intense language, this intense imagery. But when it comes to our thoughts, what does he tell us to do? We take captive. We take captive. We, we literally separate our thoughts. We, we interrogate our thoughts. And I love that Paul doesn't just tell us to take captive the obvious thoughts, the, the ones that you know better. Paul, Paul tells us to take captive every thought, all of them. The, the, the random ones, the, the silly one that pops up when you're in between meetings and, and, and you have this thought like, I just bombed that. He, he says to take captive the thought when you look in the mirror. He says to take captive the thought as you're in the carpool lane and you're, you're starting to get stressed. He says, take captive the thoughts about your mother-in-law, about your son's teacher, about your kid's coach. Take captive those thoughts uh, that are deep in your mind that you've repeated over and over and over. He says, we take captive every thought. And I I think it's interesting that Paul also also uses this word demolish. And he says it twice, that we demolish arguments and that we demolish strongholds. And, And he's referring to this like idea of a fortress, that something is literally blocking you from what God has called you to do, that there's a stronghold over you. And so in the same way, he's saying, we need to demolish We need to destroy, we need to eliminate to get rid of those thoughts that are taking us to the destination we we don't desire. And And then he tells us that we need to make our thoughts obedient to Christ. And the idea is that the thoughts that we have need to be aligned with what God says, that they're aligned with what scripture says, that they are obedient to Christ. And as I was was studying this, it occurred to me that everything Paul is referring to in these verses, it requires action. There's a lot of verbs happening. He says that we take captive, that we demolish, that we make new thoughts obedient to Christ. And so Paul's telling us that, hey, if you want to transform your life, it begins by renewing your mind. But if you wanna get to the destination you desire, it requires some intentionality. It requires us to to do something. It requires us to take action, to demolish those negative thoughts and then to make new thoughts obedient to Christ. 
And so I think Paul through these verses gives us an incredible formula for, for us to adopt. When it comes to all of these thoughts that are popping up in our minds, the thousands of random thoughts we have every single day, he, he gives us a formula of what we can do so that we can experience a renewed mind. And so the first step that we see here is that we need to recognize. We, we need to recognize those thoughts. You, you need to recognize, uh, take captive as he says, you need to recognize those thoughts that are taking you off course, that, that are taking you to, to that path that, that you don't wanna end up. You need to recognize them. It, it's interesting that I learned that 90% of our thoughts are recycled. 90% of our thoughts are recycled. And, and what that means is they're so ingrained into who we are. We're, we're kind of just on autopilot every single day. We're not even aware of some of the thoughts, but Paul would say, hey, when it comes to your thought life, you need to recognize them. You need to take them captive. If those thoughts are bringing you to the place that you don't ultimately wanna end up, you need to recognize them. And then we see step two, that we remove, that, that we remove those negative thoughts, that we destroy, that we demolish, that we get rid of, that we eliminate those thoughts, those thoughts that are taking us that, that place that we don't desire. In preparation for today, I had downloaded this new phone on my app and it was this voice recording app. So as I was driving, I could practice this message. And it was so interesting because every time I would be on this app, another ad would pop up on my phone to download an app. And I would get kind of frustrated because I would try to close out of it as quickly as I could to stay focused, but I could never find the X. Have you guys noticed that it's no longer in the top right corner? Like advertisers and marketing agencies have gotten brilliant at hiding the X. And so you have to figure out how to close out of these ads that pop up. And maybe for you, you're like five, 10, 15 minutes deep into this new service, this new product, this game of Candy Crush, because you get distracted, you get off course. And in the same way, when it comes to our thoughts, there's a lot of thoughts that we need to find the X. There's a lot of thoughts that pop up that you need to click on and, and close out of them that you need to remove those thoughts because they're taking you somewhere. And so you need to click out of them. And you need to, to, to remove them. You need to find the X. When the thought pops up of, of why was I not given that opportunity, you need to find the X. When the thought pops up, when you see that person and you know where that's gonna take you, you need to find the X. When, you, when the thought pops up and you think, I will never measure up, I will, I'll never have what it takes. You need to find the X. We need to remove those thoughts. And then it's not just enough to, to recognize those thoughts, to demolish and remove those thoughts. Then we need to move to step three, which is to replace those thoughts. You, you notice that Paul ends it by saying that we, we need to have these new thoughts and we make them obedient to Christ, that we replace our thoughts. With, with thoughts that are true, with thoughts that are of God and, and from the spirit of God, that they're obedient to Christ. And, and as we do this, as we start to replace those thoughts, we'll, we'll start to operate differently. Maybe you've, you've met someone who you think they always can, like they, they think that they can and so then they do. Like they always act that way. They're like, I can do it. And then you notice they can do it. And, and maybe you have someone in your life and they think I can't and then odds are, they won't, 
because our brains are really, really powerful. What we think about, there's a correlation to where we end up. And so if you think you can't, you won't. If you think you can, you probably will. And so we have the ability to start replacing our negative thoughts with new thoughts. And this is an area that I love, not only because I have a lot of personal experience with having bad thoughts pop up that I need to replace, but also this is an area where the Bible and science both agree. Because all throughout scripture, when you open it up, you see this correlation between the thoughts that we have and the the lives that we live. The, The thoughts and mindsets that we have and our satisfaction in life, our joy in life, our confidence in life, our peace and contentment. But but actually in recent years, science would agree, neuroscience would tell us that there is a strong correlation between what's happening in our brains and our satisfaction in life. Maybe you've heard of Hebb's rule. This was coined by neuropsychologist, Dr. Donald Hebb. And he says this, that neurons that fire together, wire together. Neurons that fire together, wire together. And what that means is as your brain forms a neural activity that that creates some firing going on. And as you think that thought, then a new pathway is formed and created. It is literally treading a deeper path in your brain. That you have the ability to have new thinking patterns emerge in your mind. And it's due to something called neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is the thing that allows us to form new thought patterns in our brains that we have the ability to retrain our brains. Let me give you an example of this. If you can remember in 2017, Apple came out with a new iPhone and it was the iPhone that they got rid of the home button. Do y'all remember this? Yes. And and if you you can remember, you, you thought to yourself, how do I close out of the apps? How do I get home? And you can probably remember once you eventually got that phone, your thumb automatically looked for that button and it wasn't there. But fast forward, all of us today, we figured it out. We have retrained our brain. You didn't have to ask your grandson or your daughter to show you how to get home on your iPhone. You have retrained your brain. Uh, A year ago, my husband and I bought a new house and out of habit and instinct, out of the pathway in my brain, when I would leave the office for the day, I would go straight through the light and then turn right. And so that's what I would do every single day. And then we move and then I would be driving home and I would start to see my old neighbors because I was driving to to the wrong place in the wrong neighborhood. Have you done this before? Yes, if you've moved to a new area and you're trying to figure things out and it's the kid's school and it's the grocery store, it's the church and you're like, I don't know what to do. But then over time, you don't actually have to rely on GPS anymore. Over time, we retrain our brains, that that we figure it out. And so now when I leave the office, I go straight through the light and then turn left. And so you can retrain your brain. and, And when it comes to our thought life, we have the ability to do this. It starts with us replacing those negative thoughts. And and as we do this, we will start to literally create new thought patterns in our minds. And so when those thoughts pop up, we'll be able to replace it with something. And, And this is why it's important for us to know what is obedient to Christ. What is God, what's in God's word? 
We have to know what, what, what God would say about this situation or what God would have to say about ourselves. And so this is why you need to memorize scripture. You need to know scripture. You need to know statements that are true, that represent what God says in his word. You need to have that somewhere in front of you. Because in the moment, you may not be afforded the opportunity like to call your small group and, and ask for advice. And in the moment, you may not be able to get to your version app and like search for an, a, a, a Bible study around patience or to search for one about strength or peace. In the moment, you, not, you will not have the time in the doctor's office to like open up the Bible and get to the back and, and to search for what's the verse. And so you need to have it in your back pocket You need to have it as ammunition, as Paul talks about, we need to have it as a weapon that we fight against these negative thoughts with, these strongholds in our lives. And so you have that ready to go. When you feel like you bombed the meeting, when the date didn't go well, when you look in the mirror and you have that thought, when you're scrolling through social media, you have something to replace it with. And so it's really important that we know truth. We know what God would say about this, that you know that you are a child of God, that, that you know that you are his masterpiece, that, that you know that you're enough, that you're not defined by a salary, you're not defined by anything else, that you're simply enough, that you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you know that you can trust in the Lord with all of your heart, that, that you know that in your weakness, Christ's power is made perfect, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that God is for you, not against you. And so we start to replace those negative thoughts with thoughts that are true, with thoughts that are from the word of God, with thoughts that are from the spirit of God. And then the last step is we repeat this. We repeat this process over and over and over again. We, we first recognize those thoughts, those thoughts that are taking us off course, those thoughts that we're chasing down and we take them captive. And then we remove them. We get them out of our head. We demolish them, we destroy them. And then we replace those thoughts with, with thoughts that are obedient to Christ, with, with thoughts that are from God's word. And then we repeat this over and over and over again. And this is the process of renewing our minds. And we will be doing this all the time. You're gonna probably be doing this in an hour. This isn't just something we do once. We continue to do this over and over because those thoughts are gonna continue to pop up in our minds. But as we do this, we will start to retrain our brains. And so the thoughts that used to take us down to this destination, we didn't desire this destination that was dark, it can be replaced with a destination that God desires for us. When we used to have these thoughts that took us to a pathway toward pain, we can replace those thoughts and end up in the pathway toward peace. And that's the process that Paul talks about of renewing our minds. And so this week, you, you, you probably need to figure out what that truth is. And you need to have it somewhere in front of you. You need to have a sticky note on your mirror. So when you're tempted to have these negative thoughts pop up, you can replace it knowing that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are God's masterpiece. You need to put it in the place where you're most tempted to go down to those negative thoughts. So maybe that's in the office and you need to change the desktop on your computer screen to something of truth that you are enough 
You need to to change the lock screen on your phone because all of us are so tempted to to go down the the trap of comparison and to have these thoughts of jealousy that, that, that bubble up when we get on our phone or there's other things that distract us on our phones. And so we need to replace it with the truth right in front of us. We put it somewhere visible. And we repeat this over and over and over again. And this is the process of renewing our minds. And when we do this, when, when we adopt what, what Paul is talking about throughout these verses, we'll begin to experience the, the transformed life that, that God has for us. The, the, the life that is full, the life that God promises and intends for every single one of us that we will begin to, to have a transformed life, but it all starts in our minds. And I know this is true because I have personal experience with this. I told you that I consistently have all these thoughts popping up. And a couple years ago, I had all of these thoughts of just insecurity and doubt and fear and imposter syndrome. And I'll never have what it takes and I'll never measure up. And they were just popping up all the time. I'd be at the office and I would see that I wasn't invited to that meeting and a thought would pop up. I would be on my phone scrolling and a thought would pop up. I would see my reflection in a mirror and a thought would pop up. I had all of these thoughts popping up in my mind. And so I decided one day that I need to sit down and I need to start renewing my mind. I I need to retrain my brain. And so I sat at a coffee shop one day and I wrote out a list of, of statements, of declarations that I wanted to be true about myself. Things that I wanted to be true about my marriage, and my leadership and my character. And then I would write statements that I knew were true because it's in God's word. And I typed it out and printed it out and I put it on the coffee pot because that's where I'm starting every single morning. And in hopes that as I would brew my coffee and I would see it there, I would have the ability to retrain my brain. I would have new thoughts to replace those negative ones with. So that maybe later when that thought would pop up of doubt, or inadequacy, that I would, I would slowly be able to have that new pattern in my brain. And so every single morning, to the best of my ability, I, I, as I'm brewing my coffee, I, I tell myself these statements. I say that I'm a loving, supportive, and kind wife, because that's what I wanna be. And that's what my husband wants me to be, that I'm a loving, supportive, and kind wife that I believe my body is a temple and I treat it that way with what I consume. I I say that I'm a leader worth following. I make decisions that benefit a greater cause than my own personal agenda and I'm committed to excellence. I, I say that I believe the best about others. I encourage others and call them to the best versions of themselves. And I choose positivity today. I choose positivity today. And then I transition into those statements that I know are true because they're in the word of God. And so I say, worry is not my master. Worry is not my master. I trust in God. His peace guards my soul, guards my mind and guards my heart in Christ Jesus. I say that my confidence is in Christ and Christ alone because his spirit lives within me. I can do everything he has called me to do. I am retraining my brain. I'm I'm helping my brain understand truth. I'm replacing those negative thoughts with thoughts that are obedient to Christ. And imagine Gwinnett Church, if we all did this, 
Uh, imagine what it could look like for yourself personally, for, for you in the context of your faith and your confidence, what it could look like at work, what it could look like at home and in your relationships. If when those thoughts pop up, we applied this process, that, that we recognize those thoughts and we take them captive, that, that we say they have no place here, they're unwelcomed here. And, and then we remove them. We get rid of them, we destroy them, we demolish them, we find the X, we click out of them. And then we replace them with that, that scripture, that statement, that word that's in front of you, somewhere where you'll see it. And then we repeat this over and over and over again. And as we do this, we will experience what Paul talked about, a transformed life because it begins by renewing our minds. It is time for a mind shift. Heavenly Father, I thank you that throughout scripture, we see that, that you care about our thoughts, that, that you want us to live a life that has thoughts that are of you, that are aligned with you. And God, so many times we are held back by these negative thoughts and they're silly and they start off random, but they take us somewhere. God, they take us to a path of pain instead of a path of peace. They, they take us down a trail of trouble instead of a trail of trust. They take us to a destination we don't desire, but we ultimately desire where you want us to be. And so would you help us? Would you help us this week to start applying what the apostle Paul talks about? That this idea that we can recognize those thoughts that take us off course, that pop up, and, and then we can remove them, we can click out of them. And then through your Holy Spirit, would you help us know how to replace those thoughts with thoughts that are true, with thoughts that are characteristic of what you say about us? And then would you help us repeat this? We, we desperately want to look like you and live like you. We do not wanna behave, we do not wanna act, we do not wanna think like the world, but we need your spirit to help us transform our minds. And so we're asking God that you would help us this week. We pray this in, in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen.